What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is Nick, and we are back with another episode of The Creatives. I'm back with my brother, my best friend, one of the one of the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gas him up a little bit. This man has came up with some of the crispiest photos, like car photography wise and photography in general, I've ever seen. Like I will premium gas. I got the diesel for this man. It's my homie, ZJ. What's up, guys? All right. So, me and ZJ go back for we're at a decade now, aren't we? I think so. Yeah, we're running up on it because I started going to Fairdale in 2012, like in the last couple months of my junior year. Um, so we we became buddies around them because I immediately went to band. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> it's been a wild <laughs> ride, hasn't it? Boy. Yeah, that was a wild ass two months. Oh, sh- I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're all good. Um, the you remember uh, Nathan had <laughs> happened within like that first two Woo! months. You know, Bro, it, and Brian was like, because I told Brian, yeah, hold my guitar. <laughs> I've I've actually thought about like getting a couple of us together, sort of doing like the the fair like Fairdale stories. Because you got to do that and then have, uh, if you're cool with it, have alcohol involved and it be like the drunk podcast. Like around the bar? Like that would be sick. That would be crazy. I think, I think if all of us got together for a time, like in the future, I I think that would, that'd be sick. Like in person, you know, having a a couple Jack and, ah, yeah. That would be awesome. All right. All right. All right. But so premise of the podcast, we're going to go through sort of like, tell us about yourself, your journey from. The original, like, where you started into your creative field and sort of, like, how you filtered into where you are now. So, tell us about the story, because I know we originally met in band back in Feral, yeah. sort of like me and Alex uh, from episode one. So, tell, tell us a little bit, like, I, I know your story, but I want everybody else to hear the story. I should have grabbed the water before you started this, because I'm running dangerously low. I, I forgot to fill my cup up, too, so I completely understand. <laughs> well, struggle is real. So, um, being in band, like I, I actually wasn't a musician first. Um, Mm. I was into the, the like chronological timeline of my like creative growth into what it is today. Like I was obsessed with Legos as a kid. We didn't have Minecraft and that's one of the reasons I loved Minecraft was because it was like digital Legos minus the mess. And you don't have to step on them and uh, nearly die. <laughs> so, um, I was into Legos for the longest period of time. And then, like, through that, I kind of wanted to draw stuff, too. So I started getting into, like, more illustrative art. Um, and the art classes that we had in the elementary school that I went to were actually very heavily geared towards actual, like, drawing or painting Uh, It wasn't so much like paper crafts and clay and stuff like that. We did those things, but there was a very heavy focus on actual like drawing on paper, painting on canvas with oil or watercolors or acrylic paints, whatever. Um, That kind of transgressed into, did you, in elementary school, did you have those like young authors or whatever, where you get like this plain white book and you had to like this yeah yeah so we were doing those and i that like mixed with the art classes i really got into storytelling Mm. so i started doing that 
for a while and then i just started writing like in my free time i would like write fiction and stories oh. uh not to the level that alex does alex is like a whole another level of it's, script writing and stuff he's this a man yeah this man's goaded out here but and then, uh moving on from that i started playing guitar at 13 that was like when i really stepped into music because my uncle was a guitarist still is uh but growing up like anytime i ever saw him it was typically to go to one of his band's shows he played in like this christian metal band um and at 13 i got my first guitar and then for like a couple years i really wasn't like super serious about it because i was a I was a small 13 year old, but I got a full size guitar. It wasn't like these junior size guitars that are out now. Mm. Um, so just handling it was like really, really weird. And the amount of like physical growth that I got from 13 to 15, by the time I was 15, uh, I was actually doing pretty crap in school. <laughs> I grounded from video games for a really, really long time. And I was going through my first breakup. Mm. So. At that point, I was like, okay, well, I'm grounded from anything and everything. I don't care about schoolwork, so uh, what is there to do? And I dug the guitar out of the closet, and that's when I actually got serious about learning how to play. I started learning, like, really easy stuff at first, like Three Days Grace, uh, System of a Down, just really basic dad rock kind of stuff. Yeah. And just over time, wanted to advance the playing of it. So then... That went on for a number of years, and this is gonna make us sound old. I turned 13 in 2007, so I kept doing music until around 2015. Um, I was involved with a band that I'll I'll leave them unnamed. I don't want that guy getting any sort of attention, but Mm -hmm. uh, the vocalist left a very, very bad taste in my mouth um just went above and beyond for those guys was kind of promised of a potential permanent spot in the band and i remember um, the story yeah 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 so you you know who i'm talking about Mm -hmm. after i mean it was like after shows i was the one like tearing down the stage packing up all the equipment getting it loaded up into the trailer tearing down the drums all by myself and helping write new material and it was just like by the end of it i got the shit end of the stick and i was just like you know what i'm done with this i'll move on to something that doesn't depend on i guess like if you had to put it through something like a vote like when you're in a band of four or five people like it's not just your song it's everyone's song. Mm -hmm. everybody's all working together on it yeah so if someone doesn't like the song or the idea, you know, you can get outruled. All there. If there's not a majority vote, it's not going through. Yeah. So something where I had complete creative control that didn't involve having to get in a band, having to do any of that stuff. And so um, a, a little bit after that as well, my grandfather passed away. So I, I really needed a distraction and music at that time was not it. So, I got a GoPro, GoPro Hero 4 Silver. That was my first Mm -hmm. camera. And um, at first it was just gonna be guitar videos. And then I ended up not doing guitar videos at all. I actually more so kind of like 
vlogged because I was watching like Casey Neistat, um, Walterific, Snowcat, like all these other like vloggers and stuff. Uh, they were actually a majority of emotive vloggers, but I wanted to kind of document like the car side of things because I was also watching like Adam LZ. Um, there's another guy, I think it's uh, not supercar suspects. He's an older gentleman, but he had like all these crazy, like he would run from the police and like Ford GTs and stuff. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. They would have a competition getting speeding tickets. Oh, I remember uh, seeing that before. Yeah. Super Speeders Rob. I think that's his name. I think it's Super Speeders Rob. I could be wrong though. Um, but I just wanted to like document, like I was getting more and more into cars as well. Um, I grew up around my dad being into cars, my grandpa being into cars. My mom was somewhat into cars. So it was only natural that that kind of, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Yep. So I started getting into cars, started blogging, and then started watching um, like cinematic automotive films from like Ben Hartnett, Halcyon, uh, who else? There's, there's so many to name. Some of them, I, I don't even know who made them. It was just seeing them on Facebook and seeing it get shared by the Import Alliance pages, the mm -hmm. Slammed Enough pages, like, you know, I, was seeing these, I'm like, how did these people make this stuff? And so I started looking into like, what a DSLR was and what an interchangeable lens camera was and who does what, what do you need for video? So on and so forth. And just really started geeking out. And uh, little did I know that it would turn into more of a career move because uh, it was literally just a hobby. I wanted to do videos. I didn't actually care for photography at first. I thought it was pretty stupid actually. Because mm -hmm. my uncle's a photographer and like in my like high school years and even early college like i would always be annoyed at like i always took my schoolwork around mm -hmm. so i had to stop doing my schoolwork to go take photos i was just like this is so dumb i don't care about this and yeah then, it was... uh, yeah it just it just kept going from there and then it just progressed mm -hmm. into what it is today which is crazy to think about because i remember you know in high school, whenever we were first met, like all of us, which is still wild to think about, because we were all—I feel like we're all so different compared from the. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's Not crazy. Especially, like I don't, especially from the environment that I was coming from. I was yeah. coming from a, a household where, like, I mean, you know what I came from. Mm -hmm. So it's like it was a rougher. People watching, like I—I I did not grow up in a, a financially stable background um i did not grow up in an incredible neighborhood i did not get along with a lot of people at school mm -hmm. had really no kind of adult behind me pushing me and teaching me things that an adult should know so or much less even how to behave so i was was pretty immature when you guys met me i'd say that from from the point in which you first met me to now it's almost like Prince Zuko's character development from the you last know, like it's it's two completely separate people at this point. That's pretty accurate, actually. Like from, like general demeanor, from like how you acted, because back then you were you know a little bit. I was angry. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> I was angry at the world. Yeah, and you you sort of come into yourself. You sort of like found your passions, found your your things that just push you on a daily basis. And that's probably one of the coolest things just to see like your character grow throughout all of these years because you found so many 
new avenues and you've just taken them you haven't second guessed yourself you haven't said like oh, i don't know if i should take this you know you said this is what i want i'm gonna go for it and it's always been like that ever since high school because i know high school you were super super passionate about music you still have that passion but i know it's sort of transferred over to photography videography now yeah. but in high school you're just like You'd show me like all these uh, like these riffs you were working on, or uh, I can't remember. There was one crazy riff you were working on in high school, and you were just like, "Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just nailed it. It's all good." I can't remember. It was uh, it wasn't a Dragon Force song, but I know it was something like real crazy. It was like, you know. Um, oh, um, it might have been. I think because that's when I really started getting into actual like a lot more technical guitar playing, like yes. Avenged Sevenfold, Bullet for My Valentine, Steve Vai. It was a bullet for my Valentine song. Uh, the I recognized the way you were just doing it. It's yep. uh, Hand of Blood. Yes, that was the one. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I would literally just sit there like geeking because I would always like I've always loved guitar, like guitar, bass, all that kind of stuff. It's never I, my fingers just can't work that way. Like, or I've never trained them. Yeah, it's just articulation that you develop over time. Because I remember when I first started playing guitar, like. I'd see other people play and I'm like, how do you do this? <laughs> I'm over here like, I can, it, it literally looks the exact same on my right hand as when I first started because this is my actual fret hand. Yeah. So at first I was like, this just really clunky trying to figure out like the chord patterns and yep. then you just get to where it's that muscle memory and you can just kind of flow through it. So it's all it's all through practicing. That's that's honestly the hardest part of guitar is because it it just feels so weird at first it, yeah. physically, and then your your hand eye coordination is not for most people. It's not there right off the bat. So seeing what you want to do, thinking about it, thinking about where the note is, and then you know articulating that through your fingertips on the neck on tempo without messing up or mm. making the guitar hero miss note noises. It can be a little bit challenging at first. It's actually, to me, I think that's the hardest part about picking up guitar. I think that's why most people quit is because of the frustration that comes with the difficulty in, in first uh, first learning how to play. So I, speaking on that, too, I know uh, you were also delving into, uh, or diving in, should I say, uh, into vocal training uh during that time uh i remember you telling me about that because whenever you first started uh you had a teacher who was telling you like negative comments right i if i remember yeah, correctly so it, it was in um it was not long after i got my first acoustic guitar mm -hmm. uh about a year after really taking guitar seriously i was in my sophomore year i started working at a music store um massive shout out to mark's what uh mark maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music in mm. Jeffersonville, Indiana. He's an incredibly passionate musician, and he's an even more incredible teacher slash role model of someone to look up to, not only from how they play, but just like how he is as a person. Like, mm. um, he's just absolutely someone that I idolized and wanted to be a lot like, just because of how well he got along with everybody. Um, I went to one of the vocal coaches there because I got free lessons working there. That was kind of the trade-off. I got a guitar for free and had to work it off. That's fair. And then through that, I would get free strings, free guitar cables, free picks, free lessons in exchange for working there. Mm -hmm. 
So it was a, it was a cool little deal. Um, and one of the vocal coaches told me that I wasn't going to be able to sing because I started kind of getting into the background vocals. It, at that point, I was kind of interested in potentially learning how to um, play guitar and sing at the same time. Like I said, I was learning Three Days Grace, Breaking Benjamin, System of a Down. Um, kind of dabbled in Bullet for My Valentine, but not a whole lot because they were still a little bit too difficult. But mm-hmm. those other bands, you know, all of them had a guitar player that sang. Darren Malakian in System of a Down was a guitar player and a singer at the same time. Um, Adam Gantier from Three Days Grace, guitar player, singer. Uh, ben Burnley, I think his name is, from Breaking Benjamin. Um, he is the lead singer and a guitar player at the same time. So uh, playing after those bands, it was only natural that I wanted to kind of try to emulate that footstep, that path. Um, and I wanted to try and do vocal lessons. And when I hit the lady up that was doing vocal coaching, she was like, oh yeah, let's uh, let's hear your key. And she played notes on the piano. Keep in mind, like I'd never tried singing before. Mm-hmm. So when I tried it, it was just kind of like, obviously I did not do good. <laughs> and she was just like, I didn't know how to, how to use your vocal cord as a muscle mm-hmm. and any any person who sings or has ever done choir will be able to relate to how learning how to use it because it's a muscle learning how to use it is strange at first um learning how to control it especially is is even more of a challenge so for somebody who'd never tried singing before and that was disclosed to her she knew i'd never tried singing uh she just immediately like told me after like five notes she was like yeah you don't really have uh, a developed set of vocal cords. You, you kind of waited too long to do it. This is something that's for people who have been doing it since they were kids. So mm-hmm. I just wouldn't worry about it. So then I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll just do screams. And then worked into practicing, which I did the absolute wrong things uh, because I have a rougher voice. My voice is a lot raspier. I don't have like a, a smooth voice in the slightest bit. So the screaming came more naturally, listening mm-hmm. to Linkin Park and Korn and stuff like that. Uh, just doing like the backing vocals for stuff like that because I was also in bands in high school and the singers couldn't do it like I could. And I wasn't about to have my singers, you know, for the multi- multiple bands I was in, I wasn't about to have my singer mess up their vocal cords trying to do something that I could just as easily do. So I kind of got the best of both worlds out of it. But yeah, she told me that I was never going to be able to sing. And then uh, once I started driving, actually, once I got my own car, came the car karaoke. And just through that, I was like, okay, I I think I know what I'm doing here. And then uh, I wasn't confident with it. And it wasn't until um, a band that I got into later on that the other guitar player heard me singing in the car. And he's like, he paused and he's like, bro, why are we searching for a singer when there's one in the passenger seat right now? So, and then I became the vocalist for the band and then got involved with the other band and then so on and so forth. And so the story goes, yeah. Yep. It's it's so it's so cool, like, progressing. Like, you, you work so hard to achieve that goal. And, you know, you don't really notice your own progression just because you see it you know, every single day. It's sort of like working out. Yeah. You see it every single day. And then one day when somebody notices, like, man, 
you do like yeah, homie, this your really shoulders getting kind of broad, dog. Man. Yeah, dog. No, he's like, yo, you look like he can lift a dump truck. Like, thanks, man. <laughs> like, it's such a good feeling. It it sort of like showcases like you know I've worked worked this hard and like this this is the fruits of the labor, and I think a lot of people can have a hard time getting to that point because even to get to the point of like mild recognition it usually takes like months. Yeah, that's months of consistent work. Mm-hmm. So is key. Mm-hmm. Is was there anything that was like going through that time that like you kept telling yourself or like sort of uh, inspired you to keep on going? Like this is. I think the one thing that I told myself more than anything is that I need to get a bottle of water right now because I took my <laughs> water all today and my mouth is so dry. Dude, like, geez, all right, I got you. Okay, <laughs> and we're back. You got oh you are you're quick quick oh you got literally right over there. <laughs> I was thinking like oh like SpongeBob episode. He's like, want to go see me get water? Want to see Wait, me do, do it again? again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean at least it wasn't a horrible background. Uh, it's not like a, a messy room with things all over the shelves and wires on the floor. Hey, you take hey, hey, that's my charging <laughs> cable. This needs to get worked on. Hey yo yo yo, listen listen, it's it's a work in progress. Everything now, in um. But no, I mean, for the question was, what would I like, what tips would I give for, you know, someone who's struggling with like the, especially music climbing the mountain? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for music, it, it really just depends. I would say as boring of an answer as it is, um, practice playing on tempo, practice the finger movements and maybe for guitar, at least like um one of the things that i got from the music store i worked at it was almost you know those like squeeze weights for grip yeah yeah so there was something like that for guitar and it was almost like not really a a harmonica it was kind of like something that you could hold in the palm of your hand and grip onto Mm -hmm. um but it had uh these like push down switches on them Mm. and it was for each finger and you could change the amount of resistance within the spring. So you could make it to where it started light and then you could just get heavier and heavier. And all I would do was run my fingers back and forth across it as quickly as I could, pressing them all down. And over time, I had the same amount of finger strength across all fingers. Mm. It wasn't like Oh yeah, these two fingers are stronger than this one, and naturally they're gonna be like your the amount of muscle and just flesh in general. The tendons are larger on you know through your your digits, so obviously like your pinky is not really ever gonna be as strong as like your index finger or your middle fingers, um, especially when like the thumb is over on this side. The grip that you can get between this kind of a hold and this are two completely different things but you can get the articulation and the muscle memory all running at the same level um which was what i did i just practiced playing on tempo i didn't try and hit where the notes were i would just follow the rhythm of it and it sounds like something that's so basic but there's a lot of people out there that don't play to tempo and you know they'll they'll be rushing or dragging and the next thing you know you're in music class 
in a movie like Whiplash and the professor is screaming in your face, are you rushing or are you dragging? Uh, then you get a chair at your head and then it just goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, or you're driving to practice and you get hit by a truck. It's, it's all downhill from there. Literally all downhill. <laughs> it's funny because we were talking about that earlier. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a harder... That's, that's one aspect I probably... As a musician, I was never able to like truly encapsulate because my tempo, even now that nowadays, it's pretty tough. So having like a metronome or something in the background in your ear is like super key. The the that, fundamentals are are everything, mm-hmm. and that's that is to anything. You're not going to be good at photography and videography if you don't know the basic elements of your exposure triangle. Yup. If you don't know the basic rules to something, you can, and a lot of people, I tell it to people all the time because I get DM'd all the time about, hey, bro, I might get this camera, I might get this gimbal, thinking about taking out a line of credit for this, and I'm like, all right, for one, as someone who's made that mistake, don't make that mistake. Like, take it from me, don't do it. Granted, you know, I I have a business revolving around photography and videography, um, so it's my situation's a little bit different, but if you're not sending out invoices that could immediately pay for the gear that you just bought, whether it be 50 to a hundred bucks or literally two to $3,000, if you're not sending out those kinds of invoices, you don't need to be taking out a line of credit until you get to the point where you can like LLC comfortably and you're sending out invoices, you're developing a name for yourself you have a lot of really positive client relationships and you can create a consistent income then you can just open up a business line of credit and then you're that's that's a whole nother ball game but down back down to the basics of it i tell people all the time like work on on the basics work on your composition and i i tell them i'm like i can teach this to you i'm not going to do it for free but i would rather you spend that 500 dollars and be taught these things than to go spend $500 on a piece of gear that you think is going to make you drastically better or in your head. And, and you know how it is in the beginning. And I, every, everyone that's been down this path knows like gear acquisition syndrome, that gas is oh, so very gas. much real. Um, and you know, I, I've been teaching photography for two years now, mm-hmm. photography and videography. Hell, I taught you over the phone. I taught you Lightroom. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I was driving. <laughs> you I, were, I know this shit like the back of my hand. Yeah, you were the you were the first person uh, whenever I really started getting into photography. I was I was calling you up and I was like, hey, you know, how do I edit this in such a way? How do you think I should compose this? I still go to you for a lot of different things just because I know how knowledgeable you are. So, And that's the important yeah. thing that I think a lot of people – I don't know. We, we live in a really weird culture about paying other people and giving other people recognition. So I think a part of it's like, mm. why would I pay you to help me when the information's out there on YouTube? Okay, well, yeah, you bring up a good point there, but you're not going to be able to ask that YouTube video questions. There's a possibility that you may have to go through dozens upon dozens of YouTube videos to mm. find the answer or just learn it the hard way. And that's by doing it until you figure it out. You can accelerate that by going to somebody who can teach you these things. And that is also something 
just like the, you know, learning the basics and the fundamentals can be applied to everything, literally everything. Mm -hmm. The same goes for that. Like why, why try and argue the value of learning from somebody who is a professional in the field? It's literally the same as being, having a mentor for it or somebody who can help you with a lot of constructive feedback. And that's one of the, a lot of the things I tell my students, it's, it's most of the stuff that they have to work on is stuff that is in their hands. It's not even their editing. It's not their gear knowledge. It's, are they applying the basics, mm -hmm. like keeping your horizon straight? Are you making sure you're shooting in raw? Do you know how to go and check to make sure you're shooting in raw? Cause I can't tell you how many times I've had students send me a raw file or I've requested them to send me a raw file. And even though they thought they were shooting raw, they mm -hmm. didn't because they were looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. So then it's just like, all right, let me show you. And then, you know, there's, there's like the, the rule of exposure and learning how those things mess with your image. Uh, fundamentals on anything, regardless of what you do, practice the basics, nail those in. You master the basics, you're going to master the art form. Oh, yeah. Get if that, I learn the basics more. of engineering or carpentry, I'm going to be able to apply that to a lot of things. And that's, that's with anything, software engineering, distilling alcohol, photography and videography, music. If you learn the basics, you're golden. Everything else will come in. Uh, so we're just build off of that too. So it's the same thing we say in, in a, whenever you're building your musicality or anything musician-wise, you know, you have to run your reps every single day. Run yeah, your like scales, you run your warm-ups, yeah. You think bodybuilders want to do the same, like for competition, exactly that. You're, mm. you're going to the gym for your skill. These bodybuilders, I mean, yeah, they want to go to the gym. Like that's a, that's a, a completely different mindset, but. I don't think everybody wants to do leg day. Like, let's be honest. It's not generally fun. Yeah. Practicing isn't supposed to be fun. That's where you put your skills to the test. Where it gets fun is by applying it mm -hmm. to what you're doing. If you've learned how to incorporate, you know, a sweeping pick method from your pentatonic scales and you want to write a song incorporating that and make a sick pentatonic sweep picking song, like, go do that. That's where you'll have fun doing it because then you'll know how to execute it. And Whenever I think, I yeah, here, going out and seeing how it works and messing with it and seeing what I can make doing a passion project. That's where the fun comes out of it. And I think it, yeah. Whenever you start executing it, you know, you, you have, you'll run reps every single day, three hours a day, but then you get to that one moment, like you have that crowd in front of you and you have maybe, maybe one song, maybe it's like a four or five minute song, or maybe it's a set and you're on there for an hour, but that, those moments make like the countless hours of practice so much worth it because i yeah. remember i remember seeing you uh it was only a small snippet and i'm still sad because i haven't seen the full video but uh whenever you were singing simple man uh out for that crowd and uh it was, was it your stepma it was one it was a family member of yours who was recording out in the out in the crowd oh no that was it was um, random yeah that was uh josh logan and olivia hinkin okay um they were they were on the voice they were i think they made it to finals on the voice really 
yeah, like they, they were up there. Hmm. Um, they actually met through that. I became good friends through Josh because we both worked for Best Buy at a point in time. Hmm. And then we just talked about music. And then way later on down the road, it turned into that where he was like, dude, you should come sing a song with us. Cause we were out at karaoke one night and yeah. I did simple man. And he was like, you should sing simple man with us at thunder. And so come thunder over Louisville. They're the headlining act 30 minutes before the fireworks show starts. It's, Oh yeah. Come up to come up to the crowd. Now it wasn't, Hey, let's have you do it earlier. In the day. Mm. He, he wanted to fuck with me a little bit. He, <laughs> <laughs> He definitely put me on my nerves. That was the first time I'd ever performed in, in front of that many people. And there are a ton of people that go to Thunder. Oh and this gosh. was pre-COVID too. So like, there's a lot of people that go to that event. Literally like hundreds. And especially at that event, probably there's like, probably a good thousand, 500 plus, a thousand. Yeah, I mean, at least right there alone in the immediate vicinity, there were probably like 2,000 people. And especially with like such a, I don't know, such a recognizable song, like Simple Man. Everybody's going to be like, Oh, they knew it. You yes. can see in the video, like, they knew the song. Mm. You could hear that one drunk girl <laughs> getting into it. There's no full video, unfortunately. That's, I wish more of it could have been recorded. That was the yeah. full thing that they got. Yeah. But, yeah, it was yeah. still fun nonetheless. Yeah, you, you did so – like, your stage presence was super sick, too. Because you be, – uh, that, uh, that point, because you were just walking around, like, you know, usual, like, singers do – and then uh, I can't remember. It was, you did simple kind of man. And then you did like uh, like you pointed it to the crowd for them to sing it. And you're like, yeah. And everybody yeah, got so hyped. The... You can do this, oh baby, if you try. And all I want from you, my son, and I held it out is to be. Yeah. Or no, 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 no. It was uh, you'll find a woman and you'll find love. And don't forget that there is a someone. And then they got up above, mm. and then it goes into the chorus. Yo. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was definitely a good song to do for that situation because, like you said, like anyone who listens to rock music in the slightest bit oh, yeah. probably knows "Simple Man" because, mm-hmm. and it, "Simple Man" is a song that's gotten big twice. You know, obviously Leonard Skinner for making it, and then Shinedown's version of it. Oh, Shinedown's, you so know, that was that was decades later. So for for a cover, for a song to be covered and almost re-energized in a newer, presentable way to a younger audience from its previous version, it just it blows up all over again. And sometimes you don't even need that. Like the one dude on TikTok who was was the uh, the bald Hispanic guy uh, skateboarding with the yeah. He was listening to I I don't know what the song is called, but sometimes you don't even need that. It's just re-showcasing the song to the world. It was I mean, on the people knew what the song was gonna be. Yeah, I think it actually got on to like a top ten charts for like a good couple weeks just because mm-hmm. it was showcased on TikTok like that, which is crazy to think about. And I think that they even shared uh some of I think they shared a lot of the money that they made on that when they started getting money for that song again. Mm-hmm. I think they shared it with the guy. That's that's and a nice move right there. Yeah. I don't remember what they did, but they did something mm-hmm. for him. They they definitely went out of their way. Was there ever a moment, uh, or has there been a moment since you're still active, you know, doing photography, videography, that you've had a couple of people come to be like, oh my gosh, I love your work, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know you go to, I know you go to a lot of different car shows. Uh, 2020 with COVID has been, mm. 
but you know before then you were still pretty active in going to car shows and the car show scene what was the question oh yeah it's uh have you uh i know it's all good have you ever had like uh sort of like people come up to you and say yo yo i've seen your work you're so sick i love it like at car shows or even just like a general like event you've gone to Oh, all the time. I've had it in some of the most unexpected ways. And I've also had it on the the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, I don't think I've ever had somebody tell me my work was trashed to my face. Uh, but there, I've definitely seen like screenshots yeah. from messages where somebody mm. was like being buddy buddy with me in person. And then I find out some more stuff. And, and it's not like I actively look for people who are talking trash to me. It's just like sort of appears. I do what I do. I, I got to, to move to my dream location, uh, which is Tampa, Florida. Yep. For those of you that don't know, I, we are from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Nick now lives in Murray. You still live in Murray, don't you? Yep. Yeah, you're down in Murray, Kentucky, looking to go elsewhere. And I went from Louisville to Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of that being based off of what has now turned into a career for me. Uh, so at the end of the day, like I, I've learned to take it with a grain of salt. It's like, yeah, but have you done as much as me? Which sounds like extremely cocky, but it's at the same time, I, I think a lot of people just label self-confidence as cocky. Like it's important for you to have your own sort of anchor and not allow stupid things like that to get in your head and have you questioning your self-worth and what you're capable of and you know what your true value is nobody should ever be questioning what their value is with their work whether regardless of what it is if you're good at what you do you're good at what you do mm-hmm. but i've had people come up to me at car shows before and absolutely oh yeah so you, your work's sick dog blah blah blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. i had it um the nine to five that i've got now which i won't go into what the nine to five is but i, I do work a nine to five i've I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have kids. So it's like, well, I, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Like, I don't, I don't have any sort of real family obligations. Mm-hmm. So I can do what I want. And I spend a lot of that time working. Um, but when I interviewed for that job, the guy that interviewed me, he was into cars. And he saw on my resume where it said ZJ Digital Media mm-hmm. before it turned into Zenith Visuals. Um, he was like, is this like ZJ, the car photographer, ZJ? And I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, your work is so sick, man. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a Porsche that I want you to shoot. He had a, a GT4, 918 GT4, something like that. It was a Porsche GT4. And uh, we ended up shooting it. That's it was, sick. It was, yeah, it, it was just <laughs> the oddest circumstance. It's like I'm, I'm interviewing for a, a professional job. And my work is still being recognized. Mm-hmm. That's how you so, know it's it just sort yeah, of transcends, yeah. But yeah, there's there's definitely those moments. But like I said, there's there's times where people try and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about, that my images are trash, and that's that's the beauty of something subjective like this is that there's there's somebody who will literally argue with you and tell you that my work is garbage, and they will bring up all valid points. It's, it's subjective. You know, it's beauty uh-huh. is in the eye of the beholder. And then there's other people who will literally argue with that person with a whole other list of valid reasons as to why my work is good. So, you know, when, I, when you embrace that concept of it, 
and you anchor yourself, you recognize your own accomplishments. Not saying be the dude that, you know, the Bradley strokes his own ego and brags and just mm-hmm. has to, hey, look at what I've done. And it's like, look at my accomplishments, guy. bro. But understand that it's okay to give yourself the credit yeah. that you deserve, especially if you've been putting years and years and years into your craft. Like, it's important to recognize how far you've come. It's important to recognize your capabilities because if you don't, you're not going to be able to look back and be like, damn, I've come a long way. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's the best feeling in the world is going back and seeing your old work and <laughs> saying, wow, I, I took the time. I went through the trials and tribulations to get to this point where I'm at now. And it's, <clears throat> it's the best feeling. It's, it, it takes a while. It takes a while to get there. But after you go through it and you just say, it, it was worth it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's a journey. I think that's where more of the uh, I think a lot of people will find that the journey is more fun than the destination itself. Mm. Uh, you know, the all the people that I've met, the things that I've learned, the opportunities that I've had, the story that photography and videography has behind it for me is is more important than where I currently sit with it. Mm-hmm. The amount of trial by fire that I've gone through, the the friends that I've made, the relationships that have spurred from it, all that stuff, like, is so much, so, so much better than, yeah, this is a career move for me. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think it's, sometimes it's hard for, more than sometimes, it's hard to recognize that you're in your sort of like your uh the drive to your destination because a lot of people same thing with waking up every single day oh here i'm at here i'm at here's where i'm at like every single day is almost like a rest stop like this is where i'm at i know where i'm at um but it's hard to see that really self-reflecting say i'm in the middle of my uh my drive to my destination i haven't gotten there yet i still got a little bit more to go but accepting that and just saying like i still i still gotta keep driving i still gotta keep pushing yeah for me it was and i I think it can be tough sometimes because like i didn't even know what the destination was for me yep i like i said this was all just a hobby this was just something where i could do it and have complete creative control Hmm. that's all it was and then it you know i got more into video and i just wanted to get better at it yeah and then I got into automotive photography. I was already into cars. I was already going to car shows on a pretty regular basis at that point. And I was just doing videos for them. And I still had not learned enough about video yet. So uh, when I found out that you could actually make pretty decent money doing automotive photography, if you take it seriously and charge a premium and make your what you're delivering worth that premium, you can actually make pretty decent money. I mean, most people charge like anywhere from a hundred bucks more often, 50 bucks or less. Um, I charge anywhere from three to $500 for the same shoot. And it's because at that point you're getting a whole different level of artistry behind your car and 
it's not for everybody. Not not everybody cares about paying that much for photos. Yeah. Not everybody who dumps all this money into their car to make it look the way it does cares about getting those kinds of photos. Mm. But there are people that do, and that's the market that I segmented for myself. Anybody who prioritizes the same level of quality and passion that they've put into their vehicle, that's that's my market. That's my niche. My my niche is not anybody with a car. Because a lot of people are, you know, they aren't just spending money on their on the photos. They want to put this money onto the car too. There's exactly. a certain amount of stuff that they still want to do to their car. So I like I get it. And oftentimes, um, you know, people are just like, oh yeah, I'm still doing stuff. I'll just have someone else do it, which is fine. And then there's also the people who. Oh yeah, well, once I get done, we'll we'll have to get it going. And those people hit me up way later on down the road once their car is nearing a point of completion, or at least for a point of visual completion. Mm-hmm. Changing your downpipe and cutting your catalytic converter off. You're not going to hear that in the photos, and you're not going to see it in the photos. It doesn't change the way your car looks. So yeah. sometimes I have to keep people in check with like what's like keep it in perspective like okay let's look what's actually going to be seen on the car though mm-hmm. how much of a difference is it going to make if right, you're only exactly. going to see it in a very particular angle it's probably not the biggest deal dude mm-hmm. like that's just their passions like our passion is you know creative you know creating video work creating vi- uh, photo work uh entertaining wherever it is their passions are you know they want a super nice car. They want to make sure showcase like this is the work that I've put into it for this. Yeah. And then just sort of comes together like that. So Yeah. But well, um not everyone gets that kind of level yeah. of interest in getting photos done. There are definitely yeah. people out there who are like, Oh, my cousin could do it or oh, so and so is charging fifty bucks. I'm like, okay, well, get sounds aggressive. It sounds like an absolutely aggressive play, but I mean, at that point, it's just kind of like, as you learn your self-worth, you understand what you are and are not willing to do, especially Mm -hmm. when money gets involved. Um, You just really start to dial that in and figure out for yourself what you want to do for what. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you hit a level of recognition of self-worth to where you're not willing to compromise on it for less exactly at least not unreasonably less mm-hmm. so do you have any any big moves that you can talk about that you're planning on doing i know there's some you know some things in the works you got to keep it a little bit low-key right now but uh do you have any big events you're planning on going to i know go restrictions are a little bit yeah, but um, restrictions but, never stopped me. I'll, uh, someone's probably going to say something in the comments or something and talk about like, so when, when COVID hit, I did not change anything. Mm-hmm. I did not change anything about the way that I lived. I still was traveling for work. Mm-hmm. I was still getting on planes. I was not wearing a mask unless I literally absolutely had to in order to be able to go in like grocery shopping or something. Then yeah, I wore a mask. I went into the airport. Yes, I wore a mask because that is like, mandated at a federal level not a state level the faa doesn't give a shit what state you're in Mm. um but outside of that like i didn't really 
care about dodging social gatherings. I just, I kept living. I, I didn't have room to stop. I was full on freelance at that point. Um, I just graduated college. I had quit my job to go full time with photography and videography. I was not going to let the path that I was forging be stopped by a virus. And I don't regret my decision either, my decision either, because if I did stop, I would not be here in Tampa today. Would not. Like this is, you said earlier, the fruits of labor, like this is not giving up. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still went to car shows as long as they were open, which later on in the year as states opened up and things were allowed again, I went. Uh, going to Slingnuff Gatlinburg at the end of September. Yeah. It's like your old uh, stomping ground, right? I think that was one of the first ones you ever went to, wasn't it? Uh, or... That was, it wasn't the first one I went to. The first car show I went to was actually Import Alliance in Bowling Green. It's the fall Import Alliance meet in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Um, and then Slammed Enough, Stupid Cold, Slammed Enough, Stupid Cold was the first Slammed Enough event I had been to. Mm. And that was like my first really far away trip. That was my first like, that's a six hour drive from Louisville. Mm -hmm. So that one was like, that's a very special show to me. And it was the last one that they had in this abandoned military airplane hangar. Oh, but that was sick. It was wild, dude. The vibes were insane. Uh, it was like nice and chilly. The snow was starting to melt. So from the time that I got there to the time that I was leaving, just the overall aesthetic of Memphis, Tennessee was drastically different. The people that I met there, um, just overall and that shows where i realized like oh damn like people can make crazy money off of this and like actually build a career off of it because mm -hmm. um, there were some big names there and i was just like yeah we're doing this we're, we're learning this too and uh yeah so that was the first slam enough show i'm going to slam enough gatlinburg um can't wait to I see that i don't know if i'm gonna really be going to a lot of other shows I have to look into when uh, Fall Import Alliance is because they switched it this year. Mm -hmm. Normally, um, Import Alliance Spring Meet is in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Fall Meet is in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Well, this year they've got it switched. The Spring Meet was in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and the Fall Meet is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay. I haven't been to the Atlanta meet since I got arrested at the one in 2018. Ah, I remember that story. Ah, it's still Atlanta. <laughs> that was such bullshit. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Which, uh, quick story time for that. Essentially, I went to uh, Spring Import Alliance, mm -hmm. went to a car meet, and... Uh, a police officer thought that I was somebody else and grabbed me by the arm. I'm a Kentucky boy in a completely different city uh, in, a, in a not the greatest part of town either because that's where this car meet's being held at. Ah, okay. So yeah. All I know is that somebody grabs me and I've got like two and a half grand worth of camera gear in my hand. So my first response is to jerked my arm out. Well, actually, it was my right arm. I jerked my right arm out, and then in the same swift motion, 
threw my elbow back, and then bolted. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know that it was a police officer, and they thought that I was somebody else. And all I knew was that someone was chasing me. Once I realized it was the police, I stopped and I complied. Uh, but they essentially arrested me on uh, two counts of evading the police, two counts of disorderly conduct, um, one for battery. Uh, it was it was a whole slew of mess, and it got dropped because they did a lot of things wrong. They uh, they didn't read me my Miranda rights when they arrested me. Uh, they were actually accusing me of being a drug dealer, so they were just arresting me on making their arrest presumed on things that were not true. So I mean, there was it was dropped for a multitude of reasons. The dude that arrested me, uh, that well, the person who pressed charges, which was the police officer, the guy who was making the arrest, is the one who is pressing charges against you. Um, he ended up getting fired for what he did. Uh. I told that court. I was like, he didn't even announce himself. What if I was a an ex felon with a criminal record, and I like had a warrant for my arrest and I had a gun on me and I decided I wasn't going back to jail, and just so happened to be anti cop too. Like, it was it was reckless the way they handled that. Well, plus that you ain't got to worry about it. I was I was happy whenever I remember it was uh drop didn't have to deal with it but i remember that was, oh, a, that that was, was stressful a couple months because they put it off a couple months it was like two three months later wasn't it yeah they they set it out uh, like two or three months later mm. it was two months later and the court date fell in finals week and i missed two finals that's before. right i remember because that's why you were like so stressed about it because you had to deal with that yeah and i think they... I, I wasn't sure they kept on like i would ask for a new court date and they would just keep pushing back the request. And then finally the request comes in or like, or finally they accept it. And they're like, yeah, so what do you need it moved for? And I was like, I have finals week. I've been trying to get this changed for like a month and a half. And they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's past 30 days. So we won't be able to move it. And I'm like, I submitted this way back. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. It was a whole thing. And not fun. No. Anything to do with the law like that? Yeah, not fun. Not fun at all. But I, uh, I beat them in that battle. At the end of the day, you won. So, but closing remarks, do you have anything that you like to, you know, talk about? Anything you want to, like, you know, gas up? Anything you got to say? Not really. Gear doesn't matter. <laughs> I, it, I know it sounds super stupid to say, and I'm saying it as there's like four lenses, four expensive lenses sitting behind me, and we're literally my webcam on this is the A7 III with a 16 to 35 G Master. So it's like, yeah, of course gear doesn't matter to you. You got it. Uh, now, just push through. Like if, if yeah. you're passionate about it, like learn about it. Make your make your goal to be as good as you possibly can. I think that's a, a good goal to apply realistically to anything whether it's be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be be the best musician you can be be the best photographer you can be be the best painter you can be if you're into painting like strive to be the next uh what's his name picasso 
Da Vinci? No, not Picasso. The the guy who's like, yeah, let's draw it. Oh, Mike. Michelangelo. No. Uh, Bob something. He had a painting. Oh, Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross. You know, yeah. Nice Bob Ross. Bob Ross is a homie. Hell yeah. But yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, let, don't let people drag you down. Don't question your self-worth. Practice the fundamentals. And do it because you love it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what I like to hear. All right, Zach, ZJ, my brother. Thank you so much for coming on to the to the podcast. I hope I will see you again very soon. You never know. Maybe you'll maybe I'll take a trip down to Florida. Maybe we'll come up to you know Kentucky. Maybe we can do this live. Get this around the bar going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have drunk podcast. Oh, that would be. <laughs> That would be funny. The stories, the, the Faraday stories, like they they are like, it's like releasing the um, darkest deep, deepest depths of. Secret. Oh, it's opening the floodgates for sure. Oh There's my gosh, a ton of crazy stories that <laughs> I think of that I have gone through myself, and also <laughs> other stories that I've been told. Like. It'd be wild if we got the group together. And oh, it's going to be hilarious. I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and pitch out to the other guys. Like, yo, if we're trying to all get together sometime for, like, I don't even know what we could call it. Like, the band kid cast or something. like, Or, like, you could uh, literally call it the drunk podcast. The drunk. Talk to it. Because that's like. <laughs> you I say liquor? I'm in. Like, pretty yeah, much. You get to see people change. Like, the, like, you get to see how people are when they're drunk. It's usually pretty comedic unless you're oh. that guy who's got a bunch of anger issues and can't have a shot of fireball without trying to punch someone in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Don't I be that guy. Don't be that guy. I can't drink fireball anymore. Not because of that, but just <laughs> that's another story for another day. Anyways, yeah. thank you all so much for coming on by the podcast today. Make sure to follow uh, ZJ on all his social media. Uh, ZJ Digital Media on Twitter, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's ZJ Digital Media on Twitter. ZJ. Uh, Instagram is Zachary underscore James for like more of the personal content, and yeah. then ZJ.me is the automotive content. Uh, yeah, I'll just send you everything and you can link it because this is going on YouTube, isn't it? It is indeed. It's going to go on yeah. there and it's going to go on so Spotify and hopefully on Apple. For everything in the description as well. Yeah, that'll be perfect. All right. Thank you all so much for coming by the podcast today. Make sure to share this to all your friends, all your family. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash user forward slash clear not Nick. Uh, make sure to drop a like, drop a comment. What has been your favorite part of the podcast? Yeah, y'all are amazing. Y'all are fantastic. And you all have a good one. Stay classy.